0: And we're starting, I guess, so uh, welcome back to uh, Only Nerds in the Building. Hooray,
1: hooray, number two, the big deuce. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) I took the words right out of my mouth. We're dropping the big deuce today. Dropping the big deuce.
2: Here we are. Welcome to spooky season, officially, right? That's right. We're bringing in the Halloween season with the most appropriate thing ever, Tales from the Crypt.
1: Absolutely. It's one of those things that I was banned from watching as a young person. And I remember being uh, with my mom, we had this apartment. And so I had this bedroom that overlooked like the living room and it had this giant window, which was incredibly stupid because like I could see everything that was on the TV. And so they would watch Tales from the Crypt. And I was like 10 years old, just like <laughs> looking over and being like, ah! and then I'd run into my bedroom and try to turn on my TV and watch it. So Anytime I was banned from something, it's pretty much become my most favorite thing. Oh, that's fantastic.
2: Exactly, right? It's like, you're like, I don't know, it's almost like, this is probably a terrible analogy, but (laughs) like when, like, uh, you know, your parents like would catch a kid smoking and they're like, you're going to smoke this whole pack, you know, or whatever. And then inadvertently, that kid's like a smoker for the rest of his life because they just like totally addicted him to a whole bunch of nicotine.
1: Uh, But
2: yeah, same thing. Like, it's like, don't watch this. And it's like, but why? (laughs) I need to know now. Oh, I was so that kid too.
0: I was in the different boat. My mom was very much a horror fan. And so I remember watching these things vividly with her and it wasn't a big deal. You know, she didn't make it a big deal. So it never was a big deal to me. But like, I grew up loving anything scary, even though it scared the absolute living crap out of me. Right. Uh, I remember one time watching um, Mad TV TV. Which is really funny—the yeah. connections, how exactly, Mad- right? The, uh, to tales from the crib, and I didn't know this by the way when I was younger. But I remember watching Mad TV, and it was Tales from the crib, but the <laughs> music came on, and it was Tales from the crib. I ran from the room, freaking out because I didn't want to watch it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, oh, oh, baby, daddy! And, and and I remember going back to it, and my mom was like, "Look," and it was Tales from the crib, and it was a, I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god." This is hysterical to say music and add all the creepy vibes to it. And um, which is yeah. really funny how any of that kind of came about because they even made a children's, I say children's, but a, a cartoon uh, version of Tales yeah. from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, really a lot of these are, are sillier uh, to watch now and be like, okay, the silliness factor actually kind of worked for the kid
2: watching it as well. Yeah. And even I had this little uh, book, I think it's in the documentary like Tales from the Crypt Keeper. And I got that at a school book fair. I had that as well. And oh my god, it was so cool. And then uh, my parents were a little like right in the middle. So like that they, they liked it at first, and then they realized like how uh, mature it was. And they were like, okay, you know, uh, if you're going to watch it, you can watch it on your own time, but we're going to be watching something else. And at that time, we were living in a totally different house but I could go upstairs to my sister's room and she had moved off to college already. And so I could just like pop on this, like, well, then was a huge 32 inch vacuum tube TV much bigger than the 32 inches that we get now. And, uh, but yeah, you, and I would just like literally just plant there and watch episodes and sometimes it was on too late or something like that, or I needed to do homework and that's when my parents would get mad. Uh, but, Oh man, I just loved those stories because, uh, like I've said before, like horror is the one genre that forces you to feel something. Right. And uh, and also the other thing that I think that this generation gets away from is the cautionary tale and uh, at least like in grotesque fashion and every generation makes it a little bit more pretty and marketable. Uh, so like as they go on, but this like brings it right back, you know, to the roots because essentially they are the roots like not all horror but uh like it at the very least they're like I feel like they're the reason for the comic book code the preachies yeah
1: Uh, the preachies were the yeah they talked all about the morality and the morale and essentially like a lot of these like crime suspense stories and the shockers they were all like pretty much uh uh uh, storytelling that kind of told like the comeuppance you know (laughs) like there's some that were like back in 1950. 4 that are still like you know pretty prominent to where we're at now um to where they had like there was this one I think it was called I wrote it down over here because I have notes uh called the uh the hate and essentially it was uh you know it was a uh, an anti-semitic story to where like this guy these people moved in and they were Jewish and this guy was all about, you know, sending him hateful notes and, you know, threatening to burn their houses down and to kick them out. Eventually they wind up, you know, does getting the neighborhood riled up and he burns down the house with the people in it, comes to find out, like his mom tells him, I never told you this before, but you were actually adopted and you were Jewish, you know? And then he's like, oh my God. And then everyone starts, you know, giving it back to him, all the crap that he had started and, you know, fueled and all this hate. And he's like, no, no, we can be friends, let's do it. And they're like, no, we're burning you down too. So they always kind of have like that comeuppance that, you know, what goes around comes around, much what you serve you get and i think that's what i really like about these stories you know they talk about uh race and gender and you know immigration and just everything about how we're supposed to treat people and i think that's really kind of the heart and the root of a lot of these stories is you know william gaines and these artists were trying to you know teach people that you know you need to be better to your human person that's next to you and some people got it and they lived and a lot didn't and they died
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yep. (laughs) Oh my God, you're so right. And then what's so weird is that, I don't know, I feel like it was all fine until they started involving race or, uh, you know, religion on top of that. Uh, Like you're talking about in the hate story. And I forgot what the name of the uh, uh, story was, but it's basically the blue and orange robots Mm -hmm. and an astronaut finds their civilization And finds out that they're not worthy to join like the Galactic Alliance or whatever. Right. uh, Because they still differentiate on color and come to find out the astronaut removes his helmet and he's African-American, or at least of some sort of African descent. And uh, all of a sudden, the Comic Book Code Association is like, sorry, you can't have a Black man as your astronaut. And they have to go like through this almost legal battle or almost involving the law to keep it. And it's like well, this is this is the kind of thing that is super interesting to me because I've always had this feeling that when somebody's forming a committee, they're trying to put somebody out of business because uh, of what they're doing, and like this is this is like the one of the most perfect examples uh, of like people trying to keep that status quo. And uh, gosh, it's just uh, you. The, I didn't realize. How significant the horror, the, the history of horror is with Tales from the Crypt. It's so amazing uh, to to go through all of this and just be like, oh my gosh! But I I got to give props to uh, to Bill Gaines for fighting the good fight and uh, also gracefully kind of bowing out of it as well. Like he gracefully was telling people, well, even though I don't agree that these comics are the cause of juvenile delinquency which is why the code was created uh they thought these horror comics were starting off a whole you know uh parade of juvenile delinquency well anyways uh he's like i don't think it's the cause but i do believe the public should be served so if this is what you want this is what you're gonna get uh but you know i don't agree with it but here you go um i i i I thought that was amazing, especially the turnaround from his father, uh, Max Gaines, and poor guy, just went the wrong way with the educational material, and it's like, none of it's selling, and, um, you know, it's such a great story to hear, like, he didn't even want to be the head of this thing, and then he came around, and he's like, well, you know what, if I'm going to do this, we're going to do what I like to do, and we're going to get a whole bunch of people and explore their passions, and boom, boom. It just went right to the top, uh, just only topped by Superman.
1: I think for the most part, you know, I think he had such an incredible, you know, roster and kept them honest because he actually did something which a lot of comic creators look for, which is to you know, take care of the artists and put them in the forefront and let them have their own recognized style. Because at the time there was, and there still is like a house style for DC and for Marvel and for some of these other big mainstream ones. But at the time, you know, uh, Bill Gaines was like, hey, you know, come to your own particular style. Because if you look at it, you can see like the, uh, the Crypt Keeper and the witch, and they were drawn various different ways as they were the narrators for the stories. And I think that's one of the main things that uh, he fought for was not only for the rights for creators to kind of do their own thing but also to kind of you know go against the opposition of people who were saying that they shouldn't be allowed to so i think that's really cool for him as well
2: oh yeah yeah it uh the the best part uh of the differences in styles of the artistry is that it led to like detective stories for like the cleaner part and then the gory stuff was very visceral and that was the stuff that led into your horror stories and I remember the images of like the super sweaty people and all that stuff and I'm just like oh my god I mean like literal flashbacks it was so cool I mean obviously I didn't see them when they first came out but I saw the like re-releases and all that stuff even you know
0: I loved what they were you know we watched a little bit of that doc well I I couldn't watch the full thing my days have been crazy but the stuff that I did watch, I love the fact that for the comic books, the guy goes, I could I remember being able to think I could smell the images like Dude, from the grotesque yes. waxy phase. And I thought, you know, that's a weird way to say it, but like I almost feel that sentiment.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's called synesthesia. But uh <laughs> yeah, the uh I remember that too. Like you would see like a really gross image, like even if I don't know if you've ever known somebody who works like crime scenes and they show you a photo. But I remember with these uh, comics, uh, it, like seriously, it being so grotesque that some of them did come to life with another sense in some way, shape or form, uh, especially Smell. I totally felt the same way. Sorry. Yeah, I just kind of dropped off with my... <laughs> idea there. And like, pause. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> but so we have these comic books uh, that they got into some legal battles, right? Some legal troubles mm-hmm. here because uh, it definitely went against kind of... I guess there really wasn't a code yet for comic right. books at the time, mm-hmm. but it kind mm-hmm. of went against the the ethical, uh, moral... Nature that people had of the times so because well, what this was 19 was
2: it 50- 50s?
1: Uh, some of the first stuff came out around like 40 49 around with some of these big uh, horror books that came out and then, yeah, it continued all the way up until 1954 whenever uh uh Frederick worthams decided to take him to court and he put out that Seduction of the Innocent, which mm-hmm. essentially called for a more uh regulated. Look right. into what the kids were reading and
2: it, it, it was I'm sorry oh no go ahead I was just gonna say but it was such a direct attack uh against like Bill Gaines because of the exact words I mean they're literally what he puts on his cover page like weird horror uh hate I think were some well, of the words and- that were made illegal
0: by mm-hmm. the code but Bill Gaines he he knew like he was gonna have to take this hit. Like he straight up was the man that he was like, okay, oh, yeah, look, I'm going to be the face of this. I'm going to be the person that people hate for this, which is kind of, you don't see that a lot. Um, there's not a lot of people that you can go back and say, hey, this guy took the hit for all of them. Uh, Cause he could have, he could have been like, well, my artists, you know, or my, my writers um oh
2: yeah the, the political kind of, dance we see today
0: yeah and i, I kind of respect <laughs> that it kind of it, it almost reminds me of it. i'm not saying that i you know respect the guy or anything but it reminds me of the of uh the guy who did hustler um you know larry flint like that, know? yeah kind oh, of right. took, took the brunt of all of that he was like oh well whatever you know it's i can do what i want uh he didn't bow out of course but um with bill gaines Uh, it's just kind of a cool story. Like that. He did this. He was like, he went from nothing. He was literally asked by his mom when his dad passed, Hey, take over the company. And the company was already what they said, like a hundred thousand dollars in debt or something like that. Right. Yep. Uh, which is, if you think about that, a ridiculous amount of money in Mm -hmm. our standard
2: times now, it's probably a million now.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. With inflation and whatnot. And so, uh, just the fact that he was able to kind of take it out and be like, okay, you know what, let's follow but then let's make our own path. Like at first they were doing the following and then the own path. But I mean, obviously the reason that we have the stuff that we have today, horror wise, that would have to do, because you can go and look at comics that are now like horror comics that are now are very much influenced by those horror comics of then, by the EC Mm -hmm. comics. Um, Oh,
2: totally. And uh, like that totally led to like things like RL Stein. Uh, (laughs) He is directly influenced by tales from the crypt or the vault of horror Right. And uh, those comics. And I, I always thought the same thing. And it was nice to hear him say it that, uh, you know, he wanted to do the same thing, but he didn't want to get that backlash. So he uh, brought he brought that uh, together uh, with a more gentle sentiment so that, you know, younger readers could read it without, you know, their parents taking it away or whatever. And I, I just, it was so cool to see him talk, because I mean, obviously, everyone loves Arnold Stein, I would think. And uh, gosh, it just I'm just imagining all the people who are inspired by this show slash the comics.
1: Right. I think sometimes it's kind of frustrating for me because I felt like the whole, when they went after Gaines, they almost like tried to. So, oh, overstep what the uh, the parents have been doing which is kind of regulating what their kids were writing mm-hmm. when he was you know putting out this whole stuff about say, do you know what your kids are reading do you know what they're watching it's yeah. like well, yeah, I do. He's like, well, maybe you don't, you know? And so it was like this weird theme of him being like, well, I know what's best for your children more so than you do. And he kind of took like this responsibility away from the parents and just kind of handed it over to the Senate committee. And I just think that's kind of interesting just for the times of change, because like so many people are like less government, but a certain amount of people are like more government, but only for these people. And I think this is kind of one of those early cases where it's like, well, you're not watching what your kids are uh, you know reading well enough so we're gonna do it for you it's like right. what that's I, I know what it is it looks creepy as hell and I love it let's read it
0: it's and that's yeah. an interesting I mean like and we we got to think about it, like how it's it's so different like the 1950s was so different from even like the 60s and the 70s and how children were thought about and raised about and and whatnot i mean even going to like the 80s and stuff like i always think when i think of the horror comic scene i always think of lost boys of course because one of my favorite movies of all time but the whole thing is mm-hmm. based around them reading the horror comics you know vampires are real yeah, are murder, yeah. that type yeah. of thing but you know uh looking at the horror comics and having it kind of translate into the life i love stuff like that um all right you know like this this was such a tales from the crypt was such a huge thing for people that they even went back and adapted it into several uh, movies and series.
1: Exactly. like um, I think I was mentioning earlier that was one of my favorite things to do was kind of sneak peek at Tell Us from the Crypt. And it's still something I do now when I work on Saturdays because usually you know, we're doing a lot of overtime and uh, I turn up the volume and take off my off my headphones and i've said to many people who are walking by and i'm like if you hear sex or someone screaming it's just my tells from the crypt i'm okay and they just kind of look at me i was like that's, that's what i listen to and everyone knows if i'm working on saturday i've got tells from the crypt on and if you hear sex or screaming sounds sleep me alone i'm okay i'm really okay
2: that's that's hysterical <laughs> they're just like as long as it's not bordello of blood and i think that one actually got a little more raunchy than the other ones but uh, I don't know. I don't know how cool everyone is there at your at your job.
1: Well, just because, you know, I look at naked women and naked guys just for a living because of the artwork we get in there. And so, much, yeah. and we get the original television the crypt art, you know, we get these covers. And so for me, we're just kind of in an environment, like, you know, if you're offended or approved, then this isn't in the environment for you because this is just kind of the <laughs> stuff we look at. So it's like, it's also what I watch and what, you know, is constantly around me. So to have like the series that's available to go out there, you know, and watch, i I, that, that's pretty much what I do when I've uh, had the uh, who's it Leah Thompson she came in and she did only Deep, which is about four episodes in in the first episode and that's kind of like for the uh, uh, She's kind of like this young lady you know her uh, beauty is everything but she needs money so she winds up selling her beauty to like this voodoo you know pawn broker who kind of takes her beauty and eventually she regrets it because her beauty fades and she gets older and then she winds up going back to kill him and then she winds up you know either a woman for murder with the face she had as his gorgeous girl or she's stuck with you know kind of like the old lady face or whatever but the point is is that like i met her at a convention and i don't know everyone loves her from back to the future but i was like just so you know only sandeep is like my favorite tell from the crypt episode and you started it and she instantly like broke down into that the voice she did from the from the series and like quoted it and i was like oh my god and she was like no one ever mentions that and i was like it's one of my favorites. I remembered her from that before I even saw Back to the Future, and I think the whole point of that rambling was, like, every episode, like, featured, like, kind of this cool, you know, before they were them type star, whether it's, like, you know, uh, Joey Pantaloni, where he's in, like, Dig That Cat, or Leah Thompson, you got Amanda Plummer, there's just so many people that just kind of, like, went in and out of the series, and then eventually getting to some of the more further series, you would get Dan Aykroyd uh, in a, uh, not Kirk Douglas. What's his dad's name? Um, Michael Douglas. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, he stars in it with, you know, Dan Ackward and just all these pairings. And so, yeah, I'm not trying to like hog the stuff, but there was just so much that went into these series that just became kind of like this cult following.
2: Well, oh, yeah. And, and there's also Demi Moore, uh, Dead Right. Oh, I love that. trying one. to find a rich husband oh,
1: oh god. God. yeah that music and just like that constant going and like jeffrey Tambor. oh my god just like oh the creepiest, i know. you know ever and that one also stuck in my head so yeah. i'm like i said i can go on and on about all these but just it, it was brilliant the way they use these people joe pesci you know you wouldn't expect joe oh. pesci to be and starring in a, in a horror tells from the crypt episode it's just people that you wouldn't actually suspect uh could evolve and they're all there (laughs) in all nine episodes you've got Don Rickold with Bobcat Goldthwait which is also freaking genius you know and they kind of pair him with like you know uh interesting stories as far as the uh he wants to be a better improvisational guy Mm and uh, Morton Downey Jr and then Robert Downey Jr you've got just so many to, to pull from and that's only in the first couple of seasons
0: yeah interesting like looking at uh the cast list on imdb and just seeing which actors tim curry and bill paxton and yes. and and just going down this it's just a huge list of actors who are still ewan mcgregor right uh, baby you and yes still working today uh and, and killing it and and then like even looking at some of the directors which is this is weird to me but like looking at directed by uh arnold schwarzenegger oh, directed yeah. an episode that michael, one's
1: so good
0: michael j fox directed an episode uh, you got Tobe Hooper. I mean, you got some huge uh, names in here, directing, writing, um, acting in. That, that's insane to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Robert Zumeckis did uh, All Through the House. Those, the evil Santa one the yes. escape mental patient is dressed as Santa and I'm like oh my god this, this, like what can this guy like not do <laughs>
1: oh and even further Don uh, Richard Donner which is like you know super big for Superman yeah. did that Bobcat Goldthwait Don Rickles one where like you know he the ventriloquist <sighs> and wants to improve it so yeah you've got just like uh, a legacy of a, of a roster between the directors and the actors and then you know taking the helm of course is Robert Zemeckis kind of putting this all out there so it's just one of those series that just has so much more to it than just being like a horror series, because it comes from such a strong historical comic background as far as like even the opening of it, like, you know, the whole, uh, uh, the theme that builds up in the very end when the Crypt Keeper is actually, you know, talking to the audience, you know, Hey, ghouls and boils and, you know, gets kind of the, the narration going. And there's always those fake comic book covers that kind of like flip in and they go to the real, uh, live action. Mike Vosberg is like this huge, comic book artist from like back in the day and he wound up doing like i think 190 something fake comic covers for that series that we're actually using this series and we've had that artwork before at work and i was just like i never knew it was mike Vosberg and it's just interesting to see like all the that the fingers that goes into just this that's legacy awesome. of core
0: that's awesome i love that stuff that, that's just how do you you know in in what how many episodes does this thing go 93 episodes uh the comic book itself went, uh, if you're talking about the original run from the uh, '40s and the '50s went 27 issues, and each issue had about four or five different stories involved in it. So uh, you know, they took something that was 27 issues and went 93 almost movie uh, quality movie length episodes on HBO. like that's um. That's taking taken a legacy and really just rolling with it. Seriously.
1: And it's, for me, I know a lot of people like to debate in the kind of pop culture world about the best comic adaptations. But for me, it's always kind of been Tales from the Crypt because these really are almost from paper to live action, perfect adaptations. And I'm kind of sad that they haven't continue to put them out there because there are so many stories they have so much to pull from the shock suspense the vault of all the poor the weird science, the movie weird science. Uh, with Kelly LeBron, and uh, Anthony Michael Hall blah 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 that's actually a weird science comic book story. Wait is it got really? adapted yeah into that movie oh. so there's so much that can be pulled and it's kind of sad that uh, it stopped, but I do think, in my opinion, that they are the best comic to live adaptations.
0: I mean, now I want to go back and watch a bunch again, because it's been way, way too long since uh, I've watched any of the episodes or even the movies. Uh, Now, I really want to go back and watch that 1972 uh, adaptation.
1: Yeah, that one's really good. It's neat. And it's very kind of ominous because it does have like, you know, five separate different segments that are all tied to stories. And it's got, you know, Joan Collins kind of starts it off and they've also got the the crypt keeper who's kind of welcoming them and it goes kind of like the whole thing where they don't really know they're dead and they start talking and telling about what they remember before they got there and each of them did, did something terribly terribly wrong to somebody else and then they're like oh shoot i'm in purgatory now it's time to go to hell <laughs> as they do
0: i mean looking at these looking at the show like it reminds me of um when i did my rewatch of x-files And it's like uh, just like a bingo card of like, hey, there's Jack Black. There's you know, Seth Green. (laughs) I feel like I'd be doing the same thing. Hey, there's Billy Zane. Exactly. I don't know. Something fun like that. There we go. There's the game right there. Every time you see someone famous, you take a drink.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you You would be
2: like like, a bottle for everyone. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. You would be you would be out we'd be out. And I think that uh, uh, one thing that I just kind of went through until Legacy Day. I'd forgotten. They have like that towards the end of the series, the animated pig won the third pig, the Three Little Pigs kind of turn on that. And they actually managed to get Jim Cummings. And if you guys are familiar with like any of the old school stuff, he's the one that usually is familiar for doing like Tigger mm-hmm. uh, from Winnie the Pooh. And like, you know, he's done animated movies for Disney. But here we've got Jim Cummings doing like one of the pigs from this horror take on the Three Little Pigs and Tells from the Crypt. That I
0: mean- one's. That thing went till 1999. I just want to <laughs> emphasize how much of, yes. of, of our lives, Tales from the Crypt is taken up from 89 to 99. It went 10 years. So much my change. My entire childhood. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. I went from sneaking that to like literally just eventually having my own apartment and just watching it and being like, <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> that's That's so old. <laughs>
0: Somebody get this woman, the DVD set.
1: (laughs) I used to have it. I totally had the whole series, but back in the day, like movie trading company was super big. And so I was like, "Eh, I haven't watched these in a while. So I would just trade in stuff and get new games and new stuff to watch. And now I really miss it. It's that because well, you can still factor. find
2: them, but yeah. Uh, but I want it on Blu ray because I want it to, you know, not scratch as easy. Like, even <laughs> if it's not even like upscaled, I just, I'm just, i just like, please just give me a Blu ray set. But or, literally or, the other day, I was about to buy it.
0: Just put it on HBO again.
2: I don't know. Just, yeah. It, yeah. Well, if it's on Peacock, I had no idea it was on Peacock. I was looking through all I my streaming either. services yeah. and I, I kept, I got frustrated because they would have it and like, it was just like an information page though. Uh, so you could like click through all the episodes and see what they're about, but there was no buy, no rent, nothing. Like you couldn't watch it. Uh, but I didn't know Peacock had it. So that, that's really cool. No, about forgive to- me. That. Forgive me.
0: Peacock only has uh, Demon Knight. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> but still H- HBO should have
1: yeah, it's something to do with rights and stuff. And I don't I don't know exactly well, all of it, which I probably should have looked up, but M. I know Night, it has to do with rights.
0: M. Night Shyamalan was supposed to reboot the series in 2016.
1: Ooh, thank goodness he did. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, and in 2017, <laughs> they found out that the rights were in different people's hands. So not one company owns the rights to it. Several yeah. companies do, thus making it very hard to do any sort of reboot, movie, TV... Comic book, otherwise,
1: Ooh, it's like Marvel and Sony. They just need to come together to realize, you know what, we can all make bukus of money if we just work together.
0: I, they, if they brought back oh, Nelson, hashtag, the crypt, uh,
1: reboot the crypt
0: <laughs> right? Guys, we need, uh, I'd love it back. I would totally watch uh, a reboot of the series, but they but gotta need do it. the
2: original puppet. Like, I don't want a CG puppet, right. Well, is john
0: casser still alive
1: he is and he actually was in texas a couple of weeks ago out at a convention and i'm sad to have missed him but yes he's still around and he does uh conventions and he even makes an episode appearance as his full you know human self uh in one of the uh, uh oil well episodes with priscilla presley like he's one of the bad guys and uh Just a a quick little history, because at the end of the episode, Krip Kipker goes, what a great episode. And he points to his actual John Cazero. He's like, especially that guy, he sounds so familiar. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. So So punny and so self-aware you know, and it's interesting to think that eventually from all the Tales from the Crypt, we eventually would get Mad Magazine, and then we'd wind up having Al Al Fieldstein and Harvey Kurtz kind of, like, move on into this more uh, family-friendly stuff, because there's so many different artists that worked on it. Like, Sheldon Moldoff is responsible for my all-time favorite Batmobile from the Golden Age, but he actually did some stuff as well with uh, Mad and with the uh, Tales from the Crypt stuff, as did, like, you know, Jack Davis and Wally Woods, so just the 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 legacy that's just tied into it. I just hope more people kind of stop to think about everything that Gaines did as far as trying to fight the opposition to have people just be able to choose what they want to read and uh, went through a lot of baggage and a lot of hell uh, just to eventually kind of it to go away. That's well, I mean, yeah.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I, I just it's it's awesome to have to have learned this history of it uh, for this episode, at least for me because I didn't have that knowledge of that background. I had no clue that Tales, I knew that Tales from the Crypt had a comic book. Uh, I thought it was like a, based off of the TV series type of thing, you know, like the rights went over to that. I had no clue that there was an older series. I know I've seen, when I watched the documentary, I know I had seen some of those uh, pages, right? Mm -hmm. The the sweat, all of that, all the visceral, uh, I've seen that before but not to have made that connection that these were all of the same kind of thing and where it all came from it is really uh, just an awesome um realization at least for 38 year old danny right like i'm just like oh mine's blown a little bit
1: you know and they in in every cover they kind of broke it down because i'm also trying to kind of share like you know one of these like pre-code Covers every day throughout the month that, you know, they have like this is called like the acid in the face, and they have like the decap- decapitation covers, and they have like, you know, the bondage covers. So, you know, they were able to kind of pinpoint like a particular style for each one and eventually kind of use it against some of the artists when they went to um, the Senate into court on this. But, you know, if you're looking up stuff, it'll be like, oh, this is just a classic decapitation pre code, you know, and it's really violent. If you start looking at it, you're like, geez, that is pretty hardcore. But at the same time, I'm like, Baby taff would have been like yes please <laughs> oh <me."> totally <laughs> you know i'm just drawn to the macabre you know I, I can't help it it's just because that art was just so interesting and so well done that the story may have sucked but while reading it i was just in awe of like all the details
0: maybe oh, totally. maybe your next tattoo should be the decapitated the head
1: <laughs> at least something <laughs>
2: but like seriously we should have made the connection when like because i had a actually i had more trouble getting mad magazine in my house than like watching tales from the crypt and stuff <laughs> they were like, i wasn't allowed to get mad magazine and when i got one i had to hide it and oh my gosh but it was like that those two things and like scary stories to tell in the dark
1: yes. uh That
2: wow. oh my god i just had to have them and i don't even think you can get scary stories to tell in the dark anymore i think you can uh, now
0: just because the movie when the movie yeah. came out, they reissued oh, the okay. three volumes or whatever that came out.
2: I still have my originals for then, the, uh, book <laughs> the book fair.
0: The book scholastic yeah. book fair, man. That <laughs> let us get some real crazy stuff back in the day.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was a lot easier to get like the Mad magazine that had like the civil rights movement focus. And it was like, yep. you know, heavy on the 60 1960s counterculture. But you know, horror and boobs, no. <laughs> no nope. <laughs> nothing for kids
0: right right <laughs> well uh unless there's anything to add i think that's a it's a good show wrapped yeah yeah
1: mainly just if you guys have a any interest in like horror comics and horror stories and if you guys are fans of the actual tales from the crypt series then definitely um go out there and read some of those old school comics and pay tribute to Bill gaines and his like forever fight and uh especially some of the artists that uh work for him would eventually go on to work in like you know the Detective Comics and the comic strips in the mainstream. So I think it's neat just to kind of pay history just a little bit of tidbit and it's a it's due acknowledgement.
0: Well said, definitely.
2: Well
1: said. That's all I've got until next time. Do we,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh okay. I was like, like, normally Dan would be like, "All right, we'll cut there," and so I just like I stay quiet thinking. for
1: a
0: second. <laughs> And we're done. Thank you for listening.
1: <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, happy Thanks, haunting. See you <laughs> 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 Pretty much. Perfect.